We're in a series called Pause. And the whole idea behind this series is that we would leverage the Advent season, uh, not just the Christmas season, but really leverage what, what we've had before on the church calendar as Advent, as a moment to pause and really concentrate and think about what it is that God has done for us by sending his son on that silent night, that holy night, the fact that God has come in flesh, entered into our mess, entered into our world, and we want to take some time and pause and think about that. So I didn't grow up in a tradition or a denomination where we really followed the, tr- the church calendar. And some of you have, have looked at us when we've ever we've brought up something like Advent or Lent and thought, really, is this, is this you guys? We're, we're not really trying to take any major swings in a liturgical direction or, or anything, anything like that. It's just that we have these beautiful opportunities in church history to stop. There's, there's some rhythms here where we can stop and not just take for granted the things that we celebrate all throughout the year. I mean, Christmas and Easter are big deals, but let's be honest, we, we celebrate these things every year. And so we have this, this moment of opportunity where we can really pause and take the time to reflect. That's what even a simple scripture reading plan is, whether it's just a couple verses or, or 10 or 15 verses, so that we're having a little bit of time every day to just stop and breathe and pause in the middle of all the busyness. And my hope is that we will experience the meaning of this season. So the word Advent comes from a Latin word, Adventus, and it means coming. And so we know that Jesus has already come and we know that God is faithful and that he's coming again. But in this season, we look forward to the birth of the Savior and we say that he's coming. And my hope is that at you, as you pause, that the spirit of this will be renewed in you and that you will have this run to the window anticipation of Christmas. This run to the window anticipation of our coming King. You used to have it, didn't you? Does anybody remember being like seven years old? I mean, just pretend like you remember it for just a memory, for just a moment. Do you remember that run to the window anticipation when you knew that your grandparents were coming or your favorite aunt and uncle, you know, the uncle that like didn't have time to shop. So he put the cash or the lottery tickets in the envelope, you know, the one that I'm talking about. And you were so excited when they would come. And every time you even thought you heard a noise outside, you would run to the window. You'd run to the window constantly and say, are they here yet? Are they here yet? And then the worst trick of all, like when the neighbor's family shows up and you hear a car door and it's like, ah, they've got to be here. And you're, oh, it's not them yet, but you've got this, this ongoing anticipation that mom and dad have lost because they are getting the house ready, right? They're getting the meal ready. They're getting the house cleaned. They're doing all, they've sent the Christmas cards. They're doing all the things that they feel like that the season requires of them. And because they're not taking the time to pause, they've lost the anticipation. And my hope is that we would recapture it this year, that we would recapture the anticipation and the awe of what God has done for us. The nation of Israel has had run to the window anticipation given to them by the prophets who foretold the coming king. In Isaiah chapter seven, verse 14, it says, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and you will call his name Emmanuel. What a wonderful, wonderful name of God. He is God with us. He is God with you today. He is God for you today, no matter where it is that you're coming from. And I love this prophecy in Micah chapter five. It's about that little town of Bethlehem. And it says this, but you, O Bethlehem of Athra, excuse me, Aphroth, 
who are too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient of days. And skipping down in that same passage, it says, and he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord and the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure for he shall be great to the ends of the earth and he shall be their peace. And I love the, the Bible that I read from every day, the New American Standard Bible, chapter verse five of chapter five says, says, this one will be our peace. And then over 700 years later, after that prophecy, that one would be born in that little town of Bethlehem, that little sleepy town, not too far from Jerusalem, just a few miles down the road, that really its only claim to fame was that the the lambs that would be used and purchased for Passover once a year in Jerusalem were raised in this town. And how amazing it is that God would choose this town, the city of David, for his savior to be born, who is Christ the Lord, because he is the lamb of God who ultimately would take away the sins of the world. That sacrifice of God was born right in that sleepy little town where there were always shepherds keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terribly afraid. But the angel of the Lord said, fear not for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. And this will be for all people. For to you in the city of David is born this day a savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be the sign for you. You will find him wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, we pick it up together in verse 14 today. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. I love what Pastor John Piper says about this verse. He says, it's about glory ever ascending from man to God and peace ever descending from God to man. We know that wise men from the East would come a couple of years later bringing gifts. But what we celebrate in this season, what the tradition of Advent tells us is that he actually, Jesus brings four gifts to us during this season. Hope, joy, peace, and love. And we know that he's so much more than that. We know that he is the rescuer. We know that he is the one who rescues us from sin and its consequences. We know that the prophet Malachi says that he's coming with healing in his wings, but he's coming with hope and joy and peace and love at this season. Those are the gifts that he gives. Today, we're especially gonna look at this gift of peace. But it's amazing to me how our culture tries to get around Christmas and tries to think of other things to to give a, a greeting to someone during this time, just to try to avoid sounding religious, maybe trying to avoid Jesus altogether. Have you ever been on the on the Christmas card aisle and they're trying to find the non-religious card? I don't know if you've ever done this or if someone sent you one where it just says best wishes. Like, come on, seriously? That's the best you got at Christmas time. That's a, that's, but it's not offensive. It's not religious. I'm just going to best wishes. What about thinking warmly of you? Listen, I don't even know what that means. All right. And if you give me a card that says thinking warmly of you, I'm going to show it to my wife and say, well, how do you think we should react to this? I mean, this is, this is a little strange. It's amazing how people do. 
But then there's just kind of this generic greeting that's shared or this generic salutation or sign off or whatever. A lot of times it's the one on the bottom of the snow globe. And it just says this, peace on earth. It's this idea maybe that we all just kind of want it quiet. We all want everything to stop. And we just want to experience just for a moment, if we could just snow globe peace. You know what I'm talking about? Like you just have that little sweet pastoral scene. Maybe it's like really great snow globe and there's little houses inside. Maybe one of them's got a little light. I don't know how they pulled that off, but that's awesome. And so you, ha- you have that and then you, you give it to your seven-year-old or maybe you when you were seven weren't allowed to touch it, but you did it anyway and you went by that table and you just licked it up and you just gave it everything you got. And then all of a sudden you've got the snow that's falling and you've got this sweet little pastoral, wonderful winter scene and we can just say calmly, peace on earth. But the peace that the angels announce is different than just quiet and still and hush. The peace that the angels announce is available for everyone, for anyone who receives God's plan, but not everyone actually takes God up on the peace that he offers. The Greek word that Dr. Luke uses in that familiar passage, Irene, is the idea that now everything is coming together. The word peace means everything is coming together in this gift from God. You might be more familiar with the Hebrew word that Micah uses in in Micah 5.5 when he says, this one will be our peace. It's the word shalom. And when the scriptures talk about peace, this is the, the primary word you should think of. It doesn't mean just calm or quiet or still. It means completeness or wholeness. It's a healthiness that doesn't overlook any area of your life and understand this wholeness, completeness, healthiness, they are not automatic. In fact, in order to get to those places in your life, you are probably going to have to make some of your most difficult decisions. And the longer you put off those decisions, the greater the disruption of peace in your life. Do you ever, have you ever, maybe you've already had to go to the doctor this year. I don't know if you've had a sinus infection, if that's your deal. Like it's just going to hit you sometime between Thanksgiving and New Year's. And, and you've already been to the doctor. We, we've got one of those things we have access to, the call a doctor. You, anybody have this? Like I love this kind of thing because I don't have to go see anybody. I just call and kind of fake a cough a little bit. I feel like my throat is scratchy. Do you have antibiotic for that? Yeah, they, I wouldn't really fake it, just so you know. But they, yeah, can I have some antibiotic? And these people are so quick to listen and swift to act. It's awesome. Like give them the the number to the pharmacy and they are on it. You know, if one of my boys has like a little bit of a sore throat or a little bit of something where I think this could be bad, this could ruin my day. I'm not worried about theirs, but this could ruin my day as a parent. So here's what I like. We're going to call the doc and we're going to get the prescription. And these people, when they're on the phone, I don't know if you, if any of you fulfilled any of these services, I love you. Thank you for what you do, but you sound like you don't want to be on the phone very long. And so you are really quick to write the prescription. But a really good doctor, when you're in front of them, they're not just concerned about you getting well, they're concerned about you getting whole. They're concerned about you getting healthy to the point that they don't really wanna see you again. They mean that in the nicest way, but they don't wanna see you again anytime soon. They want you to get healthy so that you can fight off the different viruses and infections. So they ask you questions. Like, what have you been eating lately? which this time of year, the answer is that's none of your business. What do you care? They might ask you, how much sleep are you getting? Seriously? 
Like, that's intrusive. Don't bother me with that, all right? I was binge-watching a show the other night. Leave me alone. What are you going to do? I mean, they might ask you if you're stressed out about anything. And then you can just look at them and say, it's Christmas. What do you mean am I stressed out about anything, right? But they ask you all of these questions to try to go over every area of your life because they're not just really concerned about you getting well for the moment, but they want you to be healthy and whole. That's the peace that is being offered to us today. Not something temporary, not just for a season, not just so you can experience one quiet, silent, holy night sometime, but so that you can have complete wholeness that's only found in the peace that God gives. Isaiah chapter nine, verse six says, for to us, a child is born to us, a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father and prince of peace. Jesus came to be the gift that brings everything together in your life. He did not come just so you could get religion or just so that you could have a spiritual side, but he came to be the thing that brings everything together. Have you ever gotten a gift like that? Where you thought this is, this is it. This is the thing I really didn't know I needed, but now that I have it, my life is so much more full. About three years ago, when you were thinking of the person that you love the most in this world, there was one thing that you were most definitely gonna make sure that they had under the tree. It was the Snuggie. It was absolutely amazing. It would allow them to be warm, but yet free movement so that they could get up and get the snacks that they required to continue to enjoy. It's a wonderful life. And truly with the Snuggie, it is a wonderful life. And the amazing thing about the Snuggie is you just, it wasn't, at first they were just colors, but then, oh, there was a whole nother level. You could get the camo Snuggie so that he could be in the tree stand and still think of you. I mean, it's real, and, and still have free movement. And then my friend, Stevie Flockhart, who pastors, or some of you remember Stevie, Stevie's pastoring in South Florida today in Boca Raton, bless his heart. The, um, Stevie found the gift that would bring my life together. He found the Snuggie that when I wrapped it around myself and I had free motion, my head could be in a particular place to where it made me look like I was the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. It was the most amazing. It was the gift that brings everything together. And that might be the worst illustration ever to say Jesus came to be the gift that brings everything together in your life. The, your whole life together, really and truly, listen to me. He came to bring order to the chaos and calm to the storm. He came to be exactly what you need in every area of your life. But hear this really, really clearly. Peace is not passive. It is not automatic. Peace is not the absence of something. Some of you are waiting for Christmas to be over and for them all to leave. And we know who you're talking about, but you are waiting for it all to be done. And then you can have peace. But peace is not the absence of something. Peace is the presence of something. And the only way that you're going to have peace is to receive the gift of Jesus and apply it to your life 
every single day. Jesus was sent from heaven to give you peace in your body, in your soul, in your mind, in every area. So it begs a question today. Is there an area of your life right now that you would say is broken and chaotic and disordered and absent of peace? Because if there is, that means it's absent of Jesus. It means you've left him out of this area and you're hoping eventually that peace will just set in. And it's amazing how our lives and the disruptions in our lives seem to get even more heightened during the Christmas season. And some of you, honestly, you are really fearful and apprehensive of this season. And you don't have that run to the window anticipation because your life is disordered and chaotic. There's no peace in one of of three areas. I wanna look at three areas with us over the next few moments if we could. Some of you are really apprehensive or fearful this time of year because you don't have peace with yourself. Some of you are really struggling today with self-doubt. You're not gonna measure up during this time of year. There's some of you that are really struggling with depression and it is worse this time of year. Some of you are struggling with anxiety and whatever has caused it, there are inner demons inside of you and you're saying, I just want this season to be over because these voices inside of me, these feelings that I've got seem to die down if I could just get through this season. But look at what the apostle Paul says in Philippians chapter four, beginning in the second half of verse five, he says, the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and look at this. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. Can I share, can I share something with you? God has never had a day of anxiety. He has never been anxious. He's never been surprised. He's never been depressed. And I know that some of you during this season you're dealing with grief and that's, that is actually a God given emotion because you've lost someone and someone's not going to be at the table. Someone's not going to be in the living room. They're going to miss their turn opening the gifts this year. And I know that that's so, so difficult for so many of you this year. And that, that grief represents a love that God gave you with that person and, and just embrace that, but know that God will not depress you. He will not harm you. He will not give you anxiety. His peace will be active and it will guard you. You see the word guard that the apostle Paul uses is a military term. And it means that whether you are going on the offense or going on the defense, the peace of God will protect you. And not just protect you, but it will transcend your circumstances. It's a peace that transcends, which means it lifts you up, it surpasses, and it gives you perspective. It's peace that comes with a purpose. God's peace doesn't take away your circumstances or resolve your circumstances, but listen to this carefully. The peace of God means God is fighting for you. It is an active peace. And your inward struggles and stresses that may have manifested themselves outwardly, they will not just go away. You are going to have to fight. 
You are going to have to fight. But can I tell you what I love from the scriptures? Even Exodus chapter 14 tells us that the Lord will fight for you. If you've got a circumstance, a a battle, a thought, an inner demon that you just will not go away. Maybe it's plagued you for years and it's just louder and worse during this time of year. Can I tell you, God will fight for you, but you've got to fight. And the weapons of your warfare are prayer and God's word. Listen, sometimes I think the secular society, they look at us and they they look at our prayers and they look at our, our sweet, calm, peaceful prayers and they think they're just trying to make themselves feel better. Well, can I challenge you with something? Don't just pray sweet, calm, peaceful prayers. Pray fighting prayers. Pray prayers that say, God, together we're going after this with everything we've got. God, I'm not gonna live in this anxiety anymore. God, I'm not gonna live in this depression anymore. God, I'm not gonna live defeated anymore, but I'm gonna claim the promises in your word that I overwhelmingly conquer because of who Jesus is. And he gives a peace worth fighting for. He gives a peace worth living for today. God will guard your mind and your heart. If you will claim hold of that peace, he will fight for you. The second area that causes some people to be apprehensive or to just dread this time of year is just peace with others. Romans chapter 12, verse 16 says, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. And if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. The second half of of Romans 12 would go on there and it shares with us how we're to treat others, how we're to treat other believers, how we're to treat those who are less fortunate. And when it comes to dealing with those you disagree with or even your enemies, the apostle Paul echoes some of the words that Jesus has said on the Sermon on the Mount, in the Sermon on the Mount. Pastor Charles Spurgeon says this, he says, as soon as you become a Christian, think about this, you cannot hate anybody. To be angry without a cause is a sin to you as soon as you are a believer in Christ. It is the height of Christian hypocrisy to carry around hate for an enemy. Because the Bible says that while we were still sinners, while we were still enemies of God, that God sent his son Jesus to cross the line on our behalf and he died for us not after we were fixed up and ready to go, but while we were still his enemies, Christ died for us. It is the height of Christian hypocrisy. And I know they're not treating you very well. For some of you, it's a boss. For some of you, it's an intrusive neighbor. For some of you, it's a stubborn coworker. For some, it's, it's all kinds of people, I know. For some of you, it's someone you used to be married to and they held your forever in their hands and they trampled on it. And now you're fighting with them about how much time you're going to get in the holidays with your own children. And can I tell you, you will never be more like Jesus than if you fight as hard as you can to live peaceably with those people. To demonstrate the kindness and the love of God to those who in your mind deserve it the least because that's when God demonstrated his love to you. And I don't care if they are white or black or Latino or Arab or North Korean, it doesn't matter to me. If they are, if you think they are your enemy, we have to pursue and give peace. Psalm chapter 34, verse 14 says, turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. It's not passive, it's active. 
you have to chase it down. And if you did something you shouldn't have, or if you've been stubborn for an extended period of time, say you're sorry, initiate the forgiveness and don't hold anything over anyone's head. You do whatever it takes to bring about peace because that's what God did for you. The last thing that causes some of you to be apprehensive or even just dread this time of year is that you don't have peace with God. You don't have peace with yourself. You don't have peace with others. And ultimately you won't have those things until you get peace with God. I wanna take you back to Luke 2, 14 for just a moment. Glory to God in the highest, gloria in excelsis Deo. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Have you ever noticed that before? With whom he is pleased. What does that mean? See, the angels make this announcement that God's offer of peace is for everyone, but truly not everyone accepts it. But only those who receive the gift of Jesus will truly know his gift of peace. Jesus, in a later passage, is talking to his disciples and encouraging them about how they should approach people as they go from town to town and share what he's been teaching and share the gospel. And Luke chapter 10, verse five says, whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. And then the rest of the passage, the rest of the instruction tends to indicate that if there's not a person of peace there, then it will sort of bounce back. And keep in mind, God would not offer a gift of peace if there was not a need for it. I mean, we can look around, we know that our world is full of oppression and and unrest and brokenness and, and fighting. And for some of you, I just described Christmas dinner, but you know what I mean. God sends Jesus into the middle of the chaos to bring peace and the miracle of Christmas, even the miracle and the imagery of Christmas that God has painted for us is that Jesus came onto the earth as flesh. He came into our mess. He came and he walked around and he wore the sandals and he got dirt on them and he looked people in the eye who disagreed with him or even despised him. Listen, there is no area of your life that he cannot bring peace to. But without him, you'll never have it. This is not just like the other gifts under the tree. This is, this is a necessary thing. Peace with God, the gift of peace is absolutely necessary. The Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter two, he says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once for off have, far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ for he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Listen, there is a wall in your life between you and God. You're, you're born with this wall in your life. The Bible says for, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, you are born with this wall of separation created by your sin nature. And Jesus comes into the mess, into this wall that separates us from God and he breaks it down. The gift of peace, Jesus of Nazareth, born in Bethlehem, is the breaker of the wall. You'll never truly have peace without him and you never have to be absent of peace with him because he is the Prince of Peace. He is the active personification of this and he wants to be your peace today. 
Jesus on the night of his betrayal, the night before his death, he's talking to his disciples. And in this particular moment in John chapter 14, he's talking about the gift of the Holy Spirit that he's about to give. And he says this, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. I didn't come just so you could have a silent night. I didn't come just so all would be calm and bright. I didn't come just for best wishes or season's greetings or for warm, happy thoughts. I came to give you my peace. The Son of God left heaven and came to earth to give you his shalom, his wholeness, his completeness in every area of your life, your inner life, your life with others, and your life with God. He came to give you his peace. In that same conversation with his disciples, he says this in John 16. I've said these things to you that in me, you may have peace. In this world, you'll have tribulation, you'll have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Take heart. (laughs) Even before he died and rose from the dead. I have overcome the world. The words take heart could be actually translated glad tidings. And maybe you have a translation that says that. But my favorite way that those two words could be translated is take courage. Have courage. Because in order to receive this gift of peace. You are going to have, potentially, you're going to have to make some of your most difficult decisions in order that you can experience the shalom of God, the completeness of God, the wholeness of God, in order so that you can have this gift that brings everything together. You might have to do something tough. And Jesus says, have courage. I'm gonna be right there with you. I've already overcome so that you can overcome. No matter how difficult it is, he has come to be your peace. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Jesus came not just to give us a beautiful pastoral scene on a night in Bethlehem, but he came to give you peace. I don't know about you, but at my house, when we give the gifts out, you actually have to open your hands. You have to receive the gifts. And so maybe the Spirit of God has put an area of your life right now that is absent of his peace. And maybe you just stick out your hands and say, God, right there in your seat, stick out your hands and say, God, I received this gift of peace. Now keep in mind, this is not passive. This is not just fleeting moment and it's gone by receiving this gift the spirit of God may be putting a tough decision in your mind and on your heart you're going to have to make 
you may have to initiate some forgiveness for a problem that you caused. You may have to agree you're going to go have the conversation with the biblical counselor that's going to help you fight back against anxiety and depression. You may have to humble yourself in ways that you never have before. So keep in mind, as you open up your hands, this is not just a sweet, sweet thought. But this may be something that God is really putting on your heart to do to take your next step. To those who are here today who would say, I'm not yet a believer in Jesus Christ, I would just say to you, receive the gift. Receive the gift. The Bible says, confess. If you will confess with your mouth and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. You'll be saved. You'll be brought into a place where you can have eternity with God. It is necessary. If you leave this world still separated from him, you'll, that, that gap will never be bridged again. But if you can accept his gift, you'll receive eternal life. But the greatest thing is you don't have to wait for it, but you can take hold of the life that's truly life right now. They're sitting in your chair your mind, with your heart, maybe even with your mouth, would you confess the Lord Jesus? Would you give your life to him? You can pray in your own words, something like, God, I'm not gonna ignore this right now. I know this is you. I didn't know I was walking into this today, God, but I know this is you. I receive your gift of salvation that comes through the death of Jesus Christ, who shed his blood to break the walls down, to tear the walls down so that I could be joined to you. I believe he's risen from the dead today so that I can take hold of a brand new life. God, help me to work it out. I'll give my life to you. Show me what's next. In this moment, if you prayed to receive Christ as your savior, you received his Holy Spirit. He has given you so much even in this, just this moment. And he will show you what's next. And we wanna help you unpack that. If, if you prayed to receive Christ, would you please come down on either side of the stage? Talk to one of our prayer team members. You received a card coming in. You can fill that out and give it to them or you can take it. If you, if you don't want to chat with someone right now, you can take it to our, our help center right there in front of the fountain in the atrium. But if we really want to come alongside you, it's the most important thing we do as a church is come alongside you as you walk with Jesus. And some of you, I, I just want you to know our prayer team is going to be on either side of the stage. Some of you are dealing with things your mind, your heart, they've plagued you for years and they are worse this time of year. A lady come down after the first service and say, you know what, I, I was abused when I was younger. She's an adult now, she has adult children. She says, I've got to deal with this. This is eating me up inside a little bit more every single day. I was able to hand her to one of our prayer team members who not only prayed with her, but also gave her clear next steps so that she could find the shalom of God, so that she could receive his peace. If that's you today, don't leave here without taking that step. God, I pray that today, by your grace, by your power, by your might, that we would receive your peace in a whole new light, that we would fight and that you would fight for us. Help us to understand your shalom, your wholeness, and to reflect it to a world who's in desperate need for it. And we'll thank you for this gift of peace. In Jesus' name.
Amen.